right, Bible's open, Book of Romans. This morning's going to be nothing but an introduction. We're not even going to get to a point. We're not going to get anywhere. This is all going to be introductory um, material. Some of this I've dealt with in some of the recordings over the last few months. Um, But I want to put this all together and organize this, and there is a reason why. So let's do just a brief review of where we have been. We did an overview to the book of Romans. Everybody remember that? I won't ask you any questions to see what you remember, all right? Um, And then we started working on the book of Romans itself. We started in an interesting way. We started really with verse 16. Romans 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And it was interesting that Paul would try to express the power of the gospel, but when you understand who he's writing to, those in Rome, they understand earthly power, and he wants them to understand he's not ashamed of this gospel message, right? However we understand this gospel message, because it too contains power. Right? Then we use verse 16 to interpret verse 1. And verse 1, the author of the book of Romans, Paul, introduces himself by using four identifiers. He uses the first one, Paul, which shows the power of the gospel because he used to be Saul. Then he refers to himself as a servant or a slave of Jesus Christ. Right, And that the power of the gospel is to convert someone who used to serve self now to serving Christ. Called to be an apostle, he's now been, uh, the gospel has transformed transformed him and brought him even into being an apostle. And separated. He's separated from his purposes and he's separated unto the gospel of God. Alright, so that's how we handled verse 1. But at the end of verse 1, when it says he's separated unto the gospel, we call that the subject of the book identified. And the subject of the book of Romans is the gospel. Chapters 1 through 11 is the theological teaching of the gospel. And 12 and following is the practical daily living out of the gospel. Everybody remember that? There was the gospel, the subject identified. We looked at the word euangelion. We went back to how it's used in the Septuagint. We got a very good understanding of this message and what it refers to, right? Then we came to verse 2. Now we have the subject promised, right? Verse 2, which, speaking of the gospel, he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So we came to this discussion of what? That the gospel was promised in the Old Testament, and so we went back to try to find some of those promises, which led us to looking at Old Testament Scriptures that are quoted in the New Testament, which brought up questions about how New Testament writers... Use Old Testament scriptures. The reason I decided to spend so much time on this problem is because Paul is going to use Old Testament scriptures over and over and over, something like 70 times in the book of Romans. And what we see when we look at how New Testament writers use Old Testament scriptures is that sometimes it appears they're taking them out of context. So what did we do? I gave everyone seven different explanations of how New Testament writers use Old Testament scriptures, correct? And so why I try to get us prepared for that is now as we work through the book of Romans and we see a New Testament, an Old Testament citation, now I'm going to be placing a lot of the responsibility on you to figure out how are they using this, right? Now, if you don't do that, well, then you're wasting your time, you're wasting my time, I'm wasting your time, 
We're all wasting time. Or we're going to do our best to try to understand the book of Romans, correct? Okay, now, we should move on to verse 3, which would be the person of the subject of the book, right? The person of the gospel. The, gospel, the subject is identified, the subject is promised, and now we have the person of the, of the subject who is concerning his son, Jesus Christ. We were going to start working on some of these identifiers for Christ, okay? But we're not. We're going to jump down to verse 18. And here's the reason why. And Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and following. Millions of sermons have been preached on it. And in recent times, a lot of sermons have been preached on it. That is leading to lots of controversy. And here's the reason why. When you get to Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it feels like, now I say it feels like, I'm not making a dogmatic assertion, but it feels that sometimes preachers are in a hurry to get from verse 18 to get to, what do you think? Verse 24. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use unto that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one towards another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. All right. That's where everybody wants to get to because it deals with the subject of homosexuality. Now, you can't get to a more relevant and controversial topic in 2019 than the subject of homosexuality. We're in what month? June, which is LGBTQ Pride Month, right? Okay, so clearly this is a subject that is relevant right now. So that's why I wanted, and based off some recent sermons, that's why I wanted to get to this subject today. So, we're going to start working on this, but we're going to, going to introduce this, and, and I'm going to do more introductory work here than anything else. So, let's just start with something very important to realize. Preaching on the subject of homosexuality is a no-win idea. You cannot win, right? Because you preach against homosexuality, either you're going to have some Christians who say, you didn't go far enough, you didn't condemn it the right way, you didn't handle it the right way, you, you support LGBTQ, you've got a problem. On the other hand, if you speak and condemn it in any way, shape, or form, well, in 2019, you may get banned from YouTube or shut down from Facebook or removed from social media platforms because you're not supposed to condemn it. So if you, you either don't condemn it the right way or you condemn it the wrong way, you can't win. So many Christians are just kind of like, you know, let's just do this. Let's just... Let's just stick to the gospel. Let's not deal with something so controversial and let's just try our best to just move on, right? But you can't do that because what's waiting for us? We got to deal with it. It's in the Bible. So how are we going to deal with it? That is what we're going to try to figure out. But let me try to explain to you where we are in our cult- where we are not in culture, where we are in the church. Right? So we're going to go through three news articles. I have dealt with these news articles, right? One of them I haven't, um, so one of them will be new. 
but we'll talk a little bit about them. I'm not going to spend a lot of time in the news articles, but I just want you to know what is happening in the church. Forget the cult. We know what's going on in the culture, right? The culture is like LGBTQ, you cannot condemn it. And if you speak against it, that's hate speech, that's bigotry, and that's wrong. Right? Not, it's not that we just simply disagree with you. Now we are the evil ones for speaking against it. They have the moral high ground. We have the moral low ground. We're evil. They're good. That's a change in culture. Like there was a time to say, hey, just leave us alone. Now it's no, stop speaking that. Stop preaching that. In fact, they would like to pass laws to condemn it as hate speech is what they would like to do. Right? That puts us in a very vulnerable position as Christians because we can't just stop preaching it because it is where? In the Bible. So we have to deal with it. But at the same time, we want to handle it in a biblical way. Let me give you an example. I, I talked about this one and I, I posted the entire sermon. News headline. Tennessee pastor, who is also a detective, called for LGBT people to be executed. The sermon is on our app, so you can hear it for yourself, right? Because I wanted it to be heard. I wanted him to have enough rope and order in a sense to hang himself. You can hear it for himself. But here's the story. Uh, Grayson Fritz said in a sermon that people who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender were, and I quote his words, freaks and worthy of death. This is preached from a pulpit. A Tennessee pastor, who is also a detective, said in a sermon this month that people, and they repeat the same statement, I don't know why they do that. Okay, in the sermon delivered on June the 2nd, all right, so this is relevant, right? June the 2nd, the pastor, Grayson Fritz, also called for the government to send a riot team to a pride parade scheduled for June the 22nd in Knoxville. He said LGBT people should be arrested, tried, and if convicted, executed. And I quote from the sermon, that's the problem with law enforcement nowadays, he said in a video of the sermon posted um, by a a website. They are chasing around cookie thieves when the real criminals are on floats rolling down Gay Street. That's the criminals he wants persecuted, prosecuted, and executed. Mr. Fritz is a pastor at All Scripture Baptist Church. Now stop right there. What's, what, what do we call ourselves? Victory Baptist. The world doesn't know the difference between one Baptist and another Baptist. So we have to go, what, what is going on here? So Mr. Fritz is a pastor at All, at All Scripture Baptist Church, which makes its stance on homosexuality known on its website. Here's what's on their website. Everybody ready? A person will only burn in their lust towards the same gender if they have been given over to a reprobate or rejected mind. Um, God said homosexuality should be punished with a death penalty as set forth in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13. No homosexual. Now, this is, this is on their website. I, I posted the link to the website. No homosexual will be allowed to attend all Scripture Baptist Church. They're not even allowed to attend. Now, obviously, they can't join either, but they can't even attend a service. Now, that's taking it so far. Oh, oh, you're get, get out. Now, what even makes it more frightening is, at least on the news, in the news media, when they were, re, 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 uh, you know, interviewing the pastor in front of his church. Now, remember, this man also serves as a detective. 
So you know this causes now all of his cases are going to be reviewed. So now people may not get justice, which is messed up. But, you know, what was interesting is they're there and then they go inside the church and one of the men with him, carrying in the back of his clothes, tucked into his pants, is what? A gun. Because, you know, all churches, everybody needs to pack, you know, guns. You know, you know how, don't even get me started on that. And if you have a problem with my stance on that, probably best not to talk to me on about that subject, because that just makes me so mad. Well, we say, you know, God is our protector, but we, you know, we're all going to carry guns, right? So, all right, whatever. So the whole thing just becomes ridiculous. But here's the problem. If you're going to try to find out who the homosexuals are to kick them out, and you've got people carrying guns, the potential of uh, conflict, because the problem, now I know what I would do if I lived in Tennessee and I was gay. I'd be at that church so quick that nobody could stop me, because that's insane that a church is going to act like that. Oh, you can't even... So, what other sinners are we not going to allow to attend? But the reason why... Make sure you understand this. They believe homosexuality is a different kind of sin, and they take that teaching from Romans chapter 1. That's why we're going to be looking. So, this... Now, as much as I get passionate about this and get upset, because, man, I would... Me and that pastor would have some words, Right? In fact, I was the one who, when I came across this sermon, I'm the one who contacted the media. Because I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. You want to say this? I want the whole world to know what you said. I want the whole world to know what you said, because this is insane, all right? Okay, because it just drives me crazy, all right? So, make this very clear. This is a hermeneutical issue. Now, I know, I want to respond passionately because this makes me mad, but this is a hermeneutical issue. So we're going to try to take a step back. I'm going to try to keep my emotions out of it, right? because there's some things I want to say. Right? But we've got to deal with it hermeneutically. Right? All issues are hermeneutical issues. Is he right about his interpretation of Romans 1? If he is, then we've got to change our view. Now, I don't, I don't think even if we're wrong about our view on Romans chapter 1, we have to go hit to where he goes, but we still may have to try to fix it. We're going to have to try to figure that out. Does that make sense? All right, so that's article number one. You can listen to his host sermon. It's on our app. And a lot of people uh, emailed me, asked me, why did you put it there? Well, I put it there because um, I want people to hear his own words. Because I don't like, because I, I don't like, because the news media takes clips from it, right? And they wouldn't give you a link to it. Why? I want you, I want to hear, like, I believe people I agree with or disagree with should be what? Should be heard. Should be heard, all right? So, um, now there's a lot more here about the article, but you get the idea. Um, It's all over the news. So let's go to a second article. Now this one is how 2019 started. Now, of course, him preaching that sermon in June, obviously he was trying to make a statement. Obviously. I mean, obviously. Okay. Um, And, you know, we could talk, I could take clips from that sermon all day. All right. And and again, it's, well, I I don't want to get into that. All right, here we go. This, this article, it, this started in, the, this is how January 2019 kind of really kicked off as dealing with Christians and homosexuality. Because we had the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. All right. Now, when you, now, Grace and Fritz, I mean, if you saw the church, it's like us. Right? It's a small little church. He doesn't have any power. It's an independent fundamental Baptist church. Okay, whatever. But he still needs to be, it still needs to be seen and heard because... 
people need to know like what some crazy people are doing in churches and we need to, and we need to address it, right? But when you have the leader of the Southern Baptist Convention, now now we're talking big, right? Millions and millions and millions of people, Southern Baptist churches all over the place. First Baptist Church, Tuscola, associated with Southern Baptist Convention. I believe Ovalo is associated with the Southern Baptist Convention. All right, so we're surrounded by Southern Baptists. Right? So what, what did they do? Well, you, everybody knows the president for the Southern Baptist Convention is... <laughs> the largest Protestant denomination, and I don't know who the president is. <laughs> okay. All right. He's, he's in the news. It's, it's on the app. And it's in the news. He's in the news all the time. I was just in the news uh, Friday. Just in the news on Friday. All right. So, J.D. Greer. J.D. Greer. Right? Everybody got it? All right. SBC president calls on Christians to stand up for LGBT rights. Oh, that's an opposite response, huh? That's an opposite. We got one pastor wanting them executed, and we got others wanting us to stand up for our rights. Okay, wait, what is going on? All right. Um, here, it, this is from a, uh, an article published January 31st, 2019. The current Southern Baptist President, J.D. Greer, is proving himself to be unfit for the position he holds in America's largest Protestant denomination. And again, I just have to challenge you. Y'all need to know what's happening in the church. Y'all have got to keep up with what's going on in the Christianity because you all claim to be Christians, you need to know what's happening in the church, right? So I'm always posting stuff constantly about what's going on in the church, right? I mean, the whole Worldview blog is nothing but videos about what's happening in the church. That's all it is. <laughs> There's like 50,000 of them, right? I'm always posting. Um, every Friday, I post uh, Friday culture, but I also post this week in pop Christianity. This week in pop Christianity. I post that every week, right? I'm always trying to help you keep up with what's happening in the church, right? So keep up with what's going on in Christianity because you know people who go to other churches, right? And remember, the influence that's happening in Christianity, it, it comes, it, it, well, it's already in the church, but it's going to impact, it could Im- impact you. I mean, if you, you, you got to know how, what, oh, I know where that's coming from. Oh, that's, I know where that's coming from. Oh, that's from Hillsong. That's from Hillsong. Well, if you don't know the problems with Hillsong and you're walking around singing Hillsong songs, then you and I, we need to have some words, okay? Right? Because there's lots of Christians going around, oh, Hillsong, it's a wonderful song. That's from Hillsong, okay? What? Drool! Like, if you don't know the problem with that, I'd rather you listen to Cardi B than Hillsong, okay? All right? And her words are not very good, okay? All right? Even the edited version is not very good. All right? I'll be, you get the point, like, but Christians will just like, oh, but it's a beautiful little worship song. Yeah, written by heretics. Okay. But, that, but, but if you don't want to know what's happening in, in the Christian world, put your head in the sand and pretend everything's okay. I can't help you. All I can do is try to put the information there and try to tell you to wake up. In fact, this week in pop Christianity, posted on the app, is about Hillsong. Okay, I'm a shocker. Hey, shocker. I wonder, yeah, it's there. So, because Hillsong's been talked about by everyone. Everyone has talked about the problems with Hillsong, okay? But, J.D. Greer. Over the last few years, the SBC has taken a sharp turn towards political as well as theological liberalism while pushing social justice agenda. 
Um, Reformation Charlotte reported earlier today that Greer, during an exegesis of Romans chapter 1. Where are we doing with? Now, please note, he's teaching Romans chapter 1. The man in Tennessee is making a reference to Romans chapter 1. The same passage in the same Bible with radically different conclusions. One of the things that drives me crazy about Christianity, how can we use the same book and come to such different opinions? All right, well, there's a lot of reasons why. All right, this is what they uh, stated here. Um, um, He compared... Okay, um, they reported earlier today, this was January 31st, I don't know when Reformation Charlotte, I guess it was earlier that day, this article is quoting from that article. Um, They reported that during an exegesis of Romans chapter 1, he compared homosexuality to greed and boasting, even stating that most of these sins are more egregious in the eyes of God than homosexuality. That's what he said. Now they go on and respond, of course, this is foolish. As homosexuality is the one sin that caused God to wipe cities off the face of the earth, it is according to the text, he clumsily referenced the sin that God gives people over to because of their other sins. It is actually the wrath and judgment of God being poured out on a people to be given over to depraved minds and dishonorable passions. It has now come to light that not only has Greer misrepresented the scriptures regarding the sin of homosexuality, he has also called on Christians to stand up for the rights of LGBT people. The rights that LGBT people are fighting for are, for example, the right to use the public restroom of whatever gender they choose to identify as any given day. The right to get married and practice sodomy in the apartment next door. I guess they shouldn't be allowed to practice sodomy in the apartment next door, I guess. I guess adulterers can practice adultery in the apartment next door. I guess lie. Like, what, what, what do you, you want laws to prevent? Who can, like, sometimes Christians scare me to death. Like, like what is that? So if Greer is fighting against that nonsense, yeah, I think that LGBTQ people should have the right to rent an apartment. <laughs> Call me crazy, okay? Call me crazy, right? Now, I'm a liberal, okay? But yeah, um, and then they go on to basically condemn him in about 900 and different thousand ways under the sun. All right, I won't read everything they say there, but you get the idea. But the point is, he, so this is the difference. The pastor in Tennessee believes that Romans 1 places homosexuality into a different category, that they've been handed over, therefore they cannot be saved, therefore that's why he won't have him in his church. Greer, using the same passage, he comes to the conclusion, no, they're not in a special category, and they too can be saved. And they should have certain rights that other human beings have. Okay, right? So, the point is, is that's radically different, right? But we're not done yet. We have a third article. This one came out this week. This one now, Beth Moore is involved. Well, she doesn't want to be. <laughs> But she is, okay. And she is not uh, because other women are calling her out, okay. If you know anything about Beth Moore, she's like, you know, Beth Moore Bible studies for women, okay. Because women only can use Bible studies written by women, okay. I I never understand that nonsense, right. Now, if they're dealing with a female issue, maybe. But if it's a Bible study... But yeah, you know, women's always like, we need a, we need to pick a Bible study. Let's get K. Arthur or Beth Moore because it's a woman. Okay, 
Why just get a good Bible study and not care about the gender of the person who wrote the Bible study, right? I just don't, I don't, you know, or here's a novel idea. So using a Bible study, why study the Bible? Right, there you go. But no, we've got to have a Bible study guide because no one of the women in the Bible study group knows how to study the Bible. Okay, well, maybe if you know how to study the Bible, you wouldn't need a Bible study guide, right? Oh, okay. I get so frustrated about that. If you want to be a Bible study leader for a women's Bible study group, let me give you an idea. Learn how to study the Bible. Woo! And then you can do what? Lead people in an actual study. Instead of an actual study of what Beth Moore had to say about the Bible, that's not Bible study. That is Beth Moore's study. And if you're studying Beth Moore, yeah, we've got a problem with one another, <laughs> right? Because you see what I'm saying? Like, study the but that's this thing. But, but there's some women who are not happy with Beth Moore. And here's the reason why. Beth Moore's beliefs on homosexuality are called into question in an open letter from Bible teachers. This was published on June the 19th. All right, so this is new, right? We got another, but what's the issue again? Homosexuality. All right, let's see. Now, you're going to need to pay close attention to this because this one's going to be critical in our study of, of Romans 1. Nearly a half dozen women Bible teachers have called Christian author Beth Moore's view on homosexuality into question this week. And an open letter signed by, and here's some of the women, some of the women may know these, uh, Susan Heck, Debbie Lynn Kespert, Michelle uh, Leshley, and Martha Peace, and Elizabeth Prada. The women ask more why she has not spoken out on the issue of homosexuality, despite being a loud voice against misogyny and racism. She's spoken out against misogyny and racism, but she just, for some reason, hasn't spoken out against... Well, I thought she was a Bible teacher. How did she avoid this subject? How did she avoid this subject? I wonder why. I wonder why. How could you... Oh, because you only teach... You only come up with Bible studies that the women want to use in a Bible study group and not really actually study the Scriptures. Right? Okay, I know I'm, I'm, I'm stepping on some toes, but that's okay. I mean, me, I don't get along with Beth Moore for a lot of different reasons, but it's okay. Oh, here's one of the reasons I don't get along with her. Uh, the women noted how Beth Moore speedily condemned the Covington Catholic School boys earlier this year. I have a problem when people started condemning those boys without doing what? Oh, wait. There's a news story about these Covington High boys saying horrible things to this Native American man who's a vet. Okay, this is horrible. Okay, well, give me five seconds. Covington High. Oh, wait, that video is 48 minutes long. The news showed me one minute. I'll watch the 48-minute clip. Hmm, this sure gives a different context to the one-minute clip. Maybe I shouldn't condemn these boys. Oh, oh, you, you support racism and bigotry and you so, uh, no, I support 48 minutes over one minute. Right? And I would do the same for you. I would do the same for anyone. I would do it for a Satanist, for an atheist, for anyone. Because I believe that when people's actions are to be judged, their actions should be judged in full context. But when you react emotionally, you don't bother to worry about 
context. So they kind of call her out on this. Hey, you were so quick to jump on them. Hey, you, were, you, were, you jumped right on that. Where are you on some other issues? They go on to say, uh, the women noted how more speedily condemned the Covington uh, Catholic School boys earlier this year, whom the media falsely portrayed as racist and bigots, but how, but how in regards to homosexuality, for some reason she has avoided making comments altogether. It is this Johnny-on-the-spot readiness to engage issues related to misogyny, and racism that makes your virtual silence on the issue of homosexuality so puzzling, the letter notes. The letter continues, focusing heavily on Moore's seemingly close relationships with two progressive Christian authors. Now, please note, when you go to the Christian bookstore and you buy a Christian book, you don't know who are Christian progressives versus Christian conservatives versus you don't have a clue. You just see a book and you buy it. Now, here's the thing. It, the answer isn't I need to call my pastor and say how good this book is. The question is you need to know how to read a book, interpret a book, and determine the theological persuasion of the one writing the book. And if you cannot do those three things, don't read! Because now you're not reading in a way that, you, that is going to help you. You're just reading in a way to be manipulated. If you can't figure that, I know people are going online are going to be all mad, but I, I get so tired of that. Like, like you either got to ask the pastor. Well, if you ask me, what am I going to tell you? Read the book! Because I expect you to be able to figure out how to interpret the book. And if you can't interpret what you read, then go back and look, take a reading comprehension class. Oh, they, what grade do they start teaching reading comprehension? I don't know. What? Okay. Well, you should. Okay. And you're like, well, 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 that was a long time ago. Well, I don't know what to tell you, man. I don't know what to tell you. I just, I just give up on the humanity. Okay. But so she's close with these Christian progressive authors. Right? And I don't care that she's close with them. I could care less. I mean, I, I, I don't care what Beth Moore even has to say. But I, I do get tired of how women are like, Beth Moore study, a K. Arthur study, a Beth Moore study, a K. Arthur study. And it's like, why don't you study the Bible? I just don't get what the, 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 the desire is for it. Like, I don't understand. Like, like I got to go to this. What, what just, here's an idea. Here's a Bible. I don't have my notebooks. Here's a notebook. Okay. Here's some pencils. Okay. I got thousands of them. Here you go. There you go. Go study. I don't know how. Well, you don't, if you attend this church, you better not tell me that. Now, sometimes I think it's less about Beth Moore and they just want to hang out with other women. Okay. Well, then just hang out with other women and just forget Beth Moore. Just, I mean, if that's what you want to do, if you, it's about getting together and drinking coffee or tea or, and talking about your kids, then just get together and do that. If it's about Beth Moore, I mean, it's great if you want to, if you can study Beth Moore and determine when something is right or something is wrong. Does that make sense? I know I'm getting myself in all kinds of trouble, but that's okay. Just, just sometimes I'm just baffled by why some teachers, like their study guides become like, you know, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, K. Arthur. 
And it's like, well, I don't understand. What, what, how, what happened? But okay. All right. Here we go. So they're, they're confused by her hanging out with these people. The people they mention here, if you don't know, uh, Jen Hatmaker and Jonathan Merritt. Jonathan Merritt, you should know that name. Jen Hatmaker, not ringing a bell. Jonathan Merritt's all over the place. Okay. Who have openly shown support for the LGBT community. Merritt has even expressed that he had at least one homosexual encounter about a decade ago. All right. The letter notes that Hatmaker and Merritt are known for their beliefs that practicing homosexuals can be Christians and questions if since Moore is adored by them both. Well, Beth Moore is adored by pretty much everyone. Okay. But that's a different question. Um, she, too, uh, they ask then, if, since you're adored by all these people, do you ascribe to the same ideology? Now, the letter, however, does not make a definitive assumption and instead asks Beth Moore to answer a series of questions regarding homosexuality. I want you to write these questions down. All right? All right, now I'm going, okay, well, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask the four questions they wrote, and then I'm going to add a fifth one, all right? And I'm going to ask you these questions because this all comes down to Romans 1. This is all introductory to get us where we need to go in Romans chapter 1, okay? Everybody ready? Number one, do you believe homosexuality is inherently sinful? Do you believe homosexuality is inherently sinful? Now, I find the question somewhat funny and somewhat bizarre. Do you ever see any, uh, any Bible teachers getting an open letter saying, do you believe gossip is inherently sinful? Right? Do you believe, like, it just seems funny that, hey, do you believe homosexuality is inherently sinful? But the reason they're asking that question is they are obviously, they don't really know what she believes about homosexuality. And all the Bible studies that she's written and all the messages that she has preached, they don't even know what she believes on the subject, which seems kind of odd to me. But, all right, do you believe homosexuality is inherently sinful? Okay. All right, and there's a lot of things we could talk about inherently. We could talk about, I mean, but I do, I do find it weird that rarely no one asks a question about other sins that way, which seems to imply that there's a good chance the women asking this question do, does believe homosexuality belongs where? In a separate category. And that's going to become a constant theme as we work through Romans chapter 1. All right, keep that in mind. Number two, do you believe that the practice of the homosexual lifestyle is compa- compatible with holy Christian living. All right, let me read that again. Do you uh, believe that the practice of the homosexual lifestyle is compatible with holy Christian living? Do you believe that the practice of the homosexual lifestyle is compatible with holy Christian living? Now, again, it's an interesting question, but you don't ever ask the question ask about other sins, do you? Do you believe gossip is compatible with holy Christian living? Nobody really asked that question. But, again, they're asking her this question because they don't really know. They don't know how she feels about it. And if my numbers get messed up here, just ignore it because 
on my iPad. I've got, I've got three number ones, and I don't know. Okay. So just, y'all write the numbers down, and if I, get, get, if I throw out some weird number, I, didn't just, I just look down, I'm like, wait, why do I have three number ones here? Okay, all right. So number one, the original number one, do you believe homosexuality is inherently sinful? Number two, the real number two, um, do you believe that the practice of the homosexual lifestyle is compatible with holy Christian living? Everybody got that? Number three, do you believe a person who dies as a practicing homosexual but professes to be a Christian will inherit, inherit eternal life? Do you believe a person who dies as a practicing homosexual but professes to be a Christian will inherit, inherit eternal life? Do you believe a person who dies as a practicing homosexual but professes to be a Christian will inherit eternal life? Now, I I think that's an interesting question. It's kind of weird to me because let me ask you a question. Do you believe that anyone who dies a practicing sinner will inherit eternal life? And everyone in this room will heartily say, yes, because you all are going to die practicing sinner, not just a sinner, a practicing sinner. But now the question is, can you be a practicing homosexual and be a Christian? Now your first reaction is you want to say no. But wait a minute, if you, can, if you can't be a practicing homosexual and be a Christian, then you can be a practicing liar, gossip, slanderer, idolater, don't love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, but somehow you're Okay. Now see, now just for say, you see, I'm already walking into a lamb. My bombs are going off right now. Just for me to even say that, if there were some visitors, they would get up and walk out. I'm asking the question, and I do acknowledge. And we, everyone in this room, has to acknowledge. You all believe that you die as practicing sinners, and you all believe you're going to heaven. Well, then why can't you be a practicing sinner with that sin? But that's a mortal sin, or that's a, a, a different category. Now, maybe it is in a different category. Maybe it is. Okay. But, but, well, yeah, but that's what we're going to have to try to figure out with a correct exegetical study of Romans 1. Clearly, not all Christians agree on how to interpret Romans 1. Now, what, right there should tell us what? Be very careful as we approach Romans 1, and we're going to have to do the work uh, required to try to come up with the answer. That's a very interesting question. I just, when I read that question, I was like, well, wait a minute. Do I believe a person who dies, a practicing homosexual, but professes to be a Christian, will inherit eternal life? Well, I know I'm going to die a practicing sinner, and I am hoping my eternal life, because my eternal life is determined by not what I do, will do, can do, but what Christ did. Now, we don't want to argue that that means you just live however you want, but that's the balance, right? Hey, you can't live any way you want. So if I, as long as I try not to do, like, like, so, like, how do you, nobody can ever articulate exactly what that means. Well, I mean, you know, you feel bad for it, right? Okay, okay, then you're okay. So if I just feel bad for it, right? And then we say, well, it's not, you don't really repent unless you stop. Well, that means you've never repented of any of the sins you continue to commit. Right? I mean, so you ask these kinds of questions, everybody get really uncomfortable or they want to start fighting with me, but don't fight with me, just figure it out. I, I don't know the answer. But it's just interesting that, like, I don't know the people who wrote these questions thought about that for two seconds. 
right? And I know why, because they went with a presupposition that homosexuality is, is different, right? All right. Um, next, do you believe same-sex, same-sex attraction is in and of itself an inherently sinful, unnatural, and disordered desire that must be mortified? Oh, that's a, that's a, a wordy one. Let me read this again. Do you believe same-sex attraction is in and of itself an inherently sinful, unnatural, and disordered desire that must be mortified? Do you believe same-sex attraction is in and of itself, an inherently sinful, unnatural, and disordered desire that must be mortified. Let me read it again. Do you believe same-sex attraction is, in and of itself, an inherently sinful, unnatural, and disordered desire that must be mortified? All right, now again, it's putting this desire in what? Seems like they're going with a different category because do we all have desires that we would argue are sinful? Because we, now this gets back to a Pelagius view versus a non-Pelagian view. We believe that our heart is desperately wicked so that anything that flows from our heart is corrupted, right? So then a lot of our desires are inherently sinful. In fact, all of our desires have some kind of sin attached to it, correct? But do we put this one in a different category? I don't know. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to answer the question until we're done with Romans 1, 18 and following, right? Then we're going to try to figure this out. All right. Then the last question they ask. What, why have you been so silent on this subject in light of your desire to teach the word of God? Why have you been so silent on this subject in light of your desire to teach the word of God? All right. Now, it's a, good, it's a good question to ask her, right? I don't know. Now, I will say this in her defense. All right? I'm going to say this in her defense. Obviously, I'm not a fan. I'm not, it's not so much that I'm not a fan of Beth Moore as much as I get irritated with the way a, a lot of women approach it. It just drives me crazy. Like, it's almost like some kind of a cult, you know? Every women's Bible study group has to use Beth Moore, K. Arthur, you know, you, and it's like, I don't get it. Like, why can't we just study the Bible? But you know, that's the way it works, okay? We can get into that whole discussion later. But for Beth Moore's defense, I will argue this. Um, she seems to have made, she's found a, 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 she found a little market for herself, right? And that little market is to produce Bible studies for women, right? And most of the women who get together for their little Bible studies don't want an, an exegetical study um, that's going to deal with controversial issues like homosexuality, right? And so for her to speak in a certain way will limit her market, right? Because in Beth Moore studies are used in every kind of, like, that, that's always, that's right there is always a red flag to me when a person's Bible studies can be used everywhere. That tells you something's wrong, right? Because that means you're not, you're not offending anybody. I mean, if I wrote a Bible study guide, they would be purchased by one person, me. Because that would offend everyone. 
Right? But when you can write Bible study guides like this can be used in, you know, and that's the way the Christian marketing company, Methodists can use it. Church of Christ can use it. Baptists can, reformed, non Come on, man. That means you're purposely doing what? Ooh. Ooh, that could have been bad. Ooh, 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 watch out. That could have been bad. Ooh, ooh. Let's, let's just talk about your feelings and going through hard times and God loves you and will. Like, let's just make it like really, you know what I'm saying? That, so that, that concerns me. But I'm glad they asked her the question. Will she respond? What would be in her best interest is to do what? Not. Would be in her best interest. Right? Because these women will just be looked at as, you know, causing trouble and, and, and they'll be like, whatever. They'll probably hurt them more than they will hurt her. So she just, just press on. But I understand her concern. I mean, I mean, when you don't, nobody wants to be involved in controversy. Nobody does. I, I don't want to be involved in, nobody wants to be involved in controversy. So I can understand, but it does raise the question, are you going to teach the whole word? Or are you going to teach what your publisher wants you to publish so that you can keep selling lots of Bible study guides and get really, 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 really rich. Okay? Because uh, Christians just won't study the Bible. So, like, how did Christians make it all those years without Bible study guides? I don't know how they survived. Does anybody know? I don't know how they pulled it off. Okay. All right. The, the letter concludes with the author noting that they only ask these questions to you out of a genuine concern. As Bible teachers, all of us are held to a very high standard and it will give an account for how we handled God's word. As you know, homosexuality is widely discussed and debated amongst evangelicals and society at large. It continues. Many families are affected by this issue. The most loving thing obedient Christians can do for them is clearly communicate God's truth. We look forward to your clarification on these pressing issues. The letter concludes. Now, I don't know if she's going to respond, not respond. I don't know. I don't, it doesn't matter. But what does it demonstrate? This issue is not going away, and we've got to be equipped in how to handle the issue in a biblical way. All right? So, let's conclude this introduction. Now, tonight, we'll get into Romans 1, 8. We're going to start in verse 18, and that's going to take us 10 years. But let's, look, let's conclude with some, just some final thoughts. Everybody ready? All right. How do we look at this? Number one, we have to view sin... From God's perspective, not based on our personal like or dislike. We have to view sin from God's perspective, not based on our personal like or dislike. And what do I mean by that? Well, I'm going to apply this to everyone in this room that far as I know, heterosexual, as far as I know, I don't think anyone here is struggling, but if anyone is, I'm going to speak to this from, from a heterosexual Christian perspective and a homosexual perspective. All right? From a heterosexual perspective, there's probably a high probability that the idea of homosexuality is repulsive and disgusting to you. Right? Your view of sin is not based on why, whether something is repulsive to you or disgusting to you. It's not about you. And when you make it about you, you've already lost. And if you're a homosexual, just because you desire something, just because something is seen as desirable and you like it, doesn't mean you get to define what sin is not. 
Does that make sense? You cannot view sin from what you like or dislike because we will just go through the Bible changing everything, would we not? Just for the homosexual to go, you know what, those passages that seem to condemn homosexuality, not so much. Well, then a man could go, well, you know that passage that says looking at a woman with lust, well, then I guess pornography is okay. Right? Well, adultery, well, you know, I mean, come on, that's okay. Women can be like submitting to my husband. I mean, come on, that's outdated. I don't like that. I mean, most women don't like that, right? Okay, well, the silence says a lot, okay? All right, right? There's a lot of things. You can't do that. The, the key is you have to open up the Bible and go, what does God say is right? What does God say is wrong? And if I'm going to be a Christian, I submit to that. Doesn't mean you have to like it. Don't even dislike it. But we have to look at it this way. And, and this goes in a couple of different ways. Just because you are, just because you as a Christian and you view homosexuality as disgusting and horrific because you don't understand it, be careful that, just, let's just deal with it from a biblical perspective. Let's not, di- let's keep our personal feelings out of it. Does that make sense? And it's hard to do that because everybody has personal feelings. Right? For some people, they have a, 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 a hard time with, with the subject, but we just got to keep it on what a biblical perspective. Does that make sense? What got to keep it on a biblical perspective. Number two. Oh boy, if I even say this, I'm going to get in trouble. Be careful not to allow your cultural upbringing to influence your theological language. Do not allow your cultural upbringing to influence your theological language. I grew up here in good old West Texas, right? Unfortunately, right? I hated growing up here. I despised this place, okay? I wish I could have grow. I wish I could have been anywhere else. Right, because there was a culture, uh, and I ended up back here. I know God. God thinks it's funny. I guess. Okay. All right, but there was a cultural mindset, and this culture, uh, utilizing uh, inappropriate terms uh, that are derogatory towards homosexuals. We won't repeat those terms. Was common. All right. Any 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 male right who didn't wear cowboy boots and wanted to go shoot Bambi. Um, was, con- was been that derogatory tor- term used for homosexuals would be placed upon that male, that boy, because he wasn't, quote-unquote, masculine enough or manly enough. Because if you're a man, you're going to want to drive a big pickup truck and shoot deer and wear cowboy boots and listen to George Strait. Okay, which sounds like literal hell is what that sounds like okay but that's that was their way of thinking and for some of us are like no not so much not so much trust me i was called every negative term that refers to homosexual sexuals in fact so much that i actually started thinking maybe that was my name all right because that's the way it was perceived there was a, a gay club in Abilene back at that point, and teenagers from this part of the town would drive to uh, Abilene on a Friday or Saturday night to drive around the gay club to beat them up. Young people, kids in this part of the country, calling someone a negative term is almost seen, was almost seen as a bad... They're growing up and being a man. Okay, that kind of 
nonsense has no place within Christianity. That's cultural. That's culture. That's not scripture. And when your cultural idea, like when you hear that sermon, you listen to the sermon, he's using that kind of language. He's using that kind of language. He's, he's in Tennessee. He's a good old boy, right? We're going to call these people all kinds of names. because that's. And it's like, no, man, that's pathetic. That's not Christianity. All right? That's not. The same thing was done uh, in, in the early part of, you know, especially in America and some southern churches as referring to people of color. Because they used their cultural upbringing that influenced their theology. You cannot let that happen to you. You can't. And it's, we all are guilty of it right now. I, I may, my guilt may be like, oh, this is what my culture say. I'm going over here just to go over there. Okay, so I may be going in a different direction. But I, I, I reject cultural influence because I think cultural influence is insane. I don't know why people fall for it, but they do. They're easily manipulated. I don't care how you were raised. You got a brain. Use it. Your culture is not right. From a Christian perspective, what determines truth? Not culture. This is not submissive to your culture. Your culture is judged by the word of God. Your culture doesn't is not used to judge the word of God. Does that make sense? It can't be that way. It cannot be that way. It's crazy that that happens. So everybody got that point? Everybody understand what I'm saying there? Right? It's just, it's, I've, I've seen horrible things done. And it's usually by people who claim to be Christians. I mean, many of those teenagers who were driving around the gay club beating up were the ones who were sitting in the youth group on Sunday morning. That's horrific. And, and many of the parents would be like, yeah, 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 you get, get rid of them people. And it's like, no. Okay, no. Right? And, and I, there, were, there were great uh, debates in the 80s into the 90s that, oh, I'm not going to let some trans, you know, well, they didn't use the term transgender, they would use different names for someone walking, some guy dressed up like a woman. I'm not going to let him come into this church. And I remember as a teenager going, what? If we're not going to let him come into the church, why are we a church? But again, this comes down to how we interpret Romans chapter 1. Right? And then I'll end with my last point will be this. I cannot speak for Christian women because I've never been one. Nor do I identify as one. Nor do I want to be one. Women have enough problems without me messing them up by trying to claim to be one. But I can speak to men. I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to, I don't know even how to articulate this point. Um, there is something within some men that they have a emotional, which men tend to claim they're not emotional, but they almost have an emotional reaction to homosexuality, right? And I don't know if they feel it's a threat to their masculinity I don't know what it is, but it's weird how they respond, right? Like, like it, it, they just cry. I, I don't get that. I had friends who were homosexuals in high school. My, one of my favorite airmen who worked for me was homosexual. 
We're, we're back in the 1990s. We're don't ask, don't tell. I knew he was gay. We had great conversations. We debated everything. And then one night I got the phone call. Hey, Sergeant Hammock, I need to tell you something. And I'm like, whoa, time out, time out. I know what you're about to tell me. If you tell me, I got by, by regulation, I've got to report it, and you're gonna, your military career is going to be over. I'm like, I give you an hour. Call me back. Hey, I'm up at the hospital. Can you come up here? I walk in. I'm gay. And I'm like, oh, man. Man, I took no pleasure in having to report it the next day. Within two weeks, his military career came to an end. But you know what I did for those two weeks? I helped him find a job at a hospital in Seattle and got him a job. And for, for years after, he'd call me. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? We were still... Fr- I did not feel his homosexuality was a threat to my masculinity. He was just another person, just another human being. His sexual preference had no bearing on me, right? Didn't threaten me. Do I, do, do I, I mean, like, you know, I don't care. I don't care. You know, I'm like, what, what, I don't care about that. He was a human being. We, we had things that we agreed on. We had things we disagreed on. We had things that we liked. We had things that we didn't like. You know what I'm saying? So, just men, don't allow your reaction to be, don't allow your reaction to be the thing that determines your interpretation. Does that make sense? I can't speak for women. I cannot speak for women. Maybe, maybe there are women who have some of the same kind of guttural type reaction. I, I can't speak for you. But for men, because typically my, my biggest opponents, whenever I try to speak on homosexuality, the ones who get the most angry with me are always men. And I don't know why Christian men get so angry at me. But I mean, I, I watched it in, in Nebraska at our church. They had a guest speaker and he talked about bashing the heads in of homosexuals from the pulpit. And I'm like, what? And so I go and, and, and I almost basically get laughed at that I had a problem with it. So then the pastor, because I threw a big enough fit, he gives an apology. Well, someone here was upset. And it's like everybody laughs. That's a joke. And it was the men, of course. It was the men. And I, men, we've got to protect ourselves that our masculinity is not our hermeneutical method, right? Masculinity or femininity is not your hermeneutical method. All right? I know this is all controversial, but you get, I'll stop right there. I could get about 30 more points. I got those. Please have those written down. Please have those written down. Um, because we'll repeat those tonight, because we're going to kind of operate on the basis of this. So here's what I want you to say. Have I made any dogmatic declaration about Romans chapter 1? No. no. I have simply tried to show you there's massive difference opinion, correct? The difference opinion arrives from what? Romans 1. So what we're going to do is we're introducing this so that when we start working through Romans 1, we're going to try to figure out what the answers are. You can already tell that I have certain thoughts, obviously, right? Well, this is what I'm going to do, and this is what I ask you to do. I'm going to take my thoughts, and I'm going to set it aside. And I'm going to look at Romans 1, and guess what? I'm going to try to come up with a conclusion to what it teaches. And if my thoughts need to change, I'm going to change mine. I ask you to change yours, right? There's, there's, some, there's some difficult passages here. I, I'm, I'm not going to de- deny Romans 1's got some hard things to figure out. We're gonna, but just what, whatever we conclusion we come to, we're going to try to be biblical and careful about it. But this is something that you need to care about. So I challenge you, Romans 1, 18 and following, please start. I've been telling you to read it. 
complete, you need to be an expert on Romans 1, 18 and following. You need to know it. If I say verse 23, you should be able to tell me something about verse 23. Verse, you should just know what's there. Just read it once a day. Okay? Know it so that we can uh, try to understand. Because we've, uh, Christians, well, look, we're going to have to deal with this issue. I mean, culture's changing. And we're about to become the enemy. Now, we've got to be as wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. But the one thing we have to do is make sure that whatever we say is based off a clear understanding of the text, not based off a cultural reaction or masculinity. It's, not, it's based off an actual study of the text. I know it's controversial, but we're gonna, we've got to figure it out. We have to. And that's why I jumped to it. Does that make sense? And I wanted to go through the news articles to show you why we jumped to it. All right? Everybody get, now everybody's going to walk away and just remember that I said mean things about Beth Moore. I didn't really say mean things about Beth Moore. I said things mean about the way Beth Moore's Bible studies are, look like, like they're a document from the Vatican. Okay? That's, in fact, I don't think Catholics read documents from the Vatican the way some Protestant women read Beth Moore. Okay? All right. There we go. I think that's where my issue is. All right. But don't remember that. There's a lot of other things I talked about. All right, let's pray. Lord God, we come before you this morning. Lord, a very... This is going to be a difficult journey. Not everyone's going to agree in this room. Not everyone's going to agree listening online. There is no win in trying to teach this, but you placed it in your word. My job is to try to teach it with or without offense. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us have a right spirit and place, set aside some of these um, negative influences so that what influences us is your word. And I pray that we will all study as hard as we've ever studied so that we can address the culture that is embracing a lifestyle that we believe your word condemns. And we just need to know how to respond to that lifestyle in a biblical way and not to one of the extremes that we read about this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.